Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. This is Ash, and I'm here with Mikey. Hello. And we have a guest with us this week, Mel. Hello. <laughs> Mel, we are totally excited to have you with us today. I am Yay. very excited to be here. And thanks to everybody who has been listening to us for the past couple of weeks. And I just wanted to tell you, um, if you feel like you're getting behind on episodes, just listen to the most recent week and don't stress out about being several episodes behind because I do that sometimes um, when life gets busy and I have a whole bunch of podcasts sitting in my queue, I will just listen to the most current couple. But we would like it if you listen to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And please feel free to leave us a review on iTunes because that makes us feel all warm and loved. So, like I told you guys all last week and the week before, we're going to ask each other a couple of questions in like a getting to know you and getting to know the host type of a a game. So, who wants to go first? I go first every week. Mikey, why don't you go first? Uh, Okay. This one's for Mel only. Uh, This is going to be our staple guest question from now on, I think. So, Mel, what would your superpower be if you could have any superpower? I don't... I, I can't fix on one. I'd love to have telekinetic powers. I would love it if I could just sit in bed in the morning and think, gosh, quite fancy a cup of tea, and then psychically manoeuvre a cup of tea into the room for myself. That would be ace. Alternately, if I could fly, then I could just fly out of bed and fly down the stairs and fly to the kettle. Um... I've always wondered about invisibility, and I think it would be fun until I heard something about myself that was probably not very nice. And then I don't think invisibility would be fun. It would be fun to kick someone's ass. Oh, can I say ass? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it would be fun to watch. But um, Okay. Yeah, so. you, could, you could get your own back without them knowing it was you. I could. But I think... That reminds... That, that reminds me of Harry Potter. Yeah. When they go to the Shrieking Shrek. Yeah, that would be fun. Oh, um, yeah, if I could do it like that, that would be fun. But I think half of the fun of Revenge is them knowing it was you and that you did it and that you're enjoying every second of it. So I don't think I wouldn't be able to use the invisibility for anonymity at the same time. So, um, no, I wouldn't want to be invisible, really. I think flying. I'd like to fly. It'd be really useful. But... Again, I would like to be able to shoot flames out of my fingers. (laughs) Awesome. Imagine if you could do that. Oh, um. Sounds expensive. Yeah, I don't know. Someone. What do you think my superpower should be? Uh. I don't know, actually. After you saying, um, having flames shooting out your fingers, I'm kind of scared. And I don't think you should be (laughs) allowed to have that much power. (laughs) But. I don't know. It's a really tough question. It's not as black and white as you'd think. No. I know. It brings out all sorts of, like, minuses to mind, like downfalls of having the superpower. I think it's probably going to end up highlighting quite a lot of character flaws in people as well, (laughs) (laughs) like the shooting flames out of my fingers thing. Okay, so my question is that um, 
and even this has to do with me too. Like when I was younger, I used to say things like my city is so boring or I can't wait to move. I'm going to move into a different city. And I hear people say that all the time, like there's nothing to do in my city. So my question is, what's the best part of living in your city? Well, I don't live in a city, but my town is, I think it's a small town. I always think of it as a small town, but it's kind of big. We've got like a cinema and a leisure centre and big parks and a river and loads of history. So there's like a lot to do, but I don't know, if you live here, it's like always there. So it's kind of like living on the seaside if you're always there, it's nothing special, but then everyone comes here for the holidays and it's a big deal. Yeah, and people yeah. say, oh, I would love to live there because I would go to the beach every day. But then when they live there, they have to go to work and do laundry and go grocery shopping and they don't go to the beach every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting thing that I picked up in a conversation uh, overheard between someone and Alex Carpenter, who is a wizard rock band <laughs> on his own. Uh I heard him talking about the, uh, the Disney theme parks and how people that live close, they would just go there during the day and like have lunch or do their homework like in the park. Very cool. Relevant to what we're talking about, but not really. I would like that. Yeah, it seems really weird, though. Move into Harry Potter World if I live near there. In fact, I plan to move in there. What I want to do is win the English lottery and then see if I can buy a house in Hogsmeade and live there and just method act all day and just be a witch in Hogsmeade going about my business so I do laundry and I go shopping but in Hogsmeade and it would be my job and also my life and I, and, and when I died I would be buried there <laughs> you know a while back when they were first they just first announced the theme park a lot of people thought when they were talking about the the Great Hall uh, uh, like the you'd be able to go in there and have, like, dinners and stuff. And I remember listening to someone, I can't remember what podcast it was on, but I remember listening to someone say that they were going to renew their wedding vows in the Great Hall or outside Hogwarts. But it's just not going to happen because that isn't there. They haven't built that, which kind of sucks. Oh, I would totally get married in the Great Hall. I'd have to find a husband first. One that would let me get married in the Great Hall would agree to it. But that would be lovely. We could go to here to the Shrieking Shack. That could be our honeymoon suite, and then we could go to the Three Broomsticks and have the reception there. You'd go to a decaying wooden shed for your honeymoon. Be romantic. I was just gonna say it. In the woods. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Yeah, because that bedroom just looked like the perfect place to spend your honeymoon night. <laughs> it's, it's vintage. It's classic. Vintage. It's vintage. vintage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sunny. It's my wedding. Who do you want to want? It's not me. There you go. And you probably can rent it, so you probably can do that. I can't imagine there'd be a lot of competition. So, Mel, tell me something about your city. Wow, it was completely flattened in World War Two, and then rebuilt. Um, I don't know, it's like Mikey was saying, if you live somewhere, you tend to stop appreciating it. And um, 
I've never really appreciated my city. It's a horrible thing to say, but I've always been one of those people who, if I go away somewhere, I never look forward to going home. I don't think, oh, I can't wait to get back and sleep in my own bed. I always think, damn, I can't believe I'm home. Oh, God, when can I afford to go away again? Yeah, but then you get to sleep in your own bed and it's all nice. No, I like hotel beds, though, and I like the fact that I don't have to make it and that breakfast will be on the silver platters in the morning when I go down and everyone has to be smiley and say hello. Nice. <laughs> uh, there's no pleasing you. Well, there is, but it costs <laughs> money. Okay, time for my second question, I think. Uh, what was your most recent or your current obsession? Is that to me? Oh, that's it's to dangerous. It's to everyone. <laughs> um, gosh, I can't actually say, I don't think. Is it too um, dirty? No, how dare you? <laughs> no, it's just, it's a very silly, silly early obsession. Because it's spring and it's the mating season and, you know, all the animals are starting to get all cuddly and stuff and I'm, I've gone a bit primeval and I want to get a bit cuddly and stuff and, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> actually that made it sound like it might be dirty, it's not, I promise. It's completely yeah, it did a little bit, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I, I think I just may have mis-explained it um, There is a current obsession But I'm not going to tell you about it Sorry. Tune in next week folks Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well my current obsession uh, And you might notice the theme Throughout the rest of this episode uh, I've spent like the last two two and a half weeks playing the Mass Effect series. It's a game series on the Xbox and PC. And it's just awesome. It's a RPG, if you're not familiar with the series. Uh, and it's like a really, really in-depth sci-fi thing. There's loads and loads of backstory. And like you're, you get to travel around the galaxy. And there's different sections of... like different star clusters in the galaxy that you can visit and each one has a solar system and then each solar system all the planets are named and they've all got different geological descriptions and scientific reasons for being it's so cool it just appeals to the planetary geologist in me but anyway ash what's your very cool current obsession it's yeah. my mm. I don't really think I have an obsession in the last week. Um, well, not in the last week, in the last, since your last obsession. Well, if you would ask anybody I know, they would say that my current obsession is Twilight. Because I'm really, I've been into it for about a year now. But before yeah. that, I was um, hung up on Harry Potter for about 10 years. So I guess it was time to move on. I mean, not that I'm not. How not that you? I'm not oh, up on Harry Potter, but I just feel like uh, there's room for more love. So, you oh, know, that's nice. Well, in the U.S., I'll be honest with you. In the U.S., there's not as much um, like news and stuff about Harry Potter as there is about Twilight, and I don't know why that is, but maybe I mean it's I kind of Twilight like the the in thing at the moment. Yeah, it's because it's well, and I think, and I think all the actors all, all pretty much all live in the U.S., whereas the actors in Harry Potter live in England. So maybe they're 
just not in the news as much. I don't know, but I kind of know way too much about anything related to Twilight. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I freely admit it's ridiculous. It's an obsession. It's not supposed to make sense. <laughs> I have to say, on behalf of the UK, America, you are wrong. You are wrong to be obsessed with Twilight over Harry Potter. You are wrong to not report about what the Harry Potter actors are doing, which, you know, isn't a lot, frankly. They're all very nice, good people. But I'm, I'm disgusted. America, how could you? <laughs> to be fair, all, well, the, all the big Harry Potter fan sites are American. Exactly. I still go to Harry Potter sites every day to check up on all the new news, keep up on everything, and I can't wait to go to Orlando and see the um, Harry Potter world. When are you going? Not when Mikey is. Are you going to fit Infinitus too? I am. It's going to be bitching. It's going to be awesome. You guys are coming from so far away, and I live so close, and I'm not even going. You suck. I do. <laughs> I'm such a mom. <laughs> I know moms that are going. Well, I know one mom that's going. And she's probably listening to this podcast right now. So everyone say hello. Hello. Yay. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell us your name. Yeah. Well, mom, <laughs> mom will do because I call her my internet mom. So in oh, joke. yes. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I think there's another question, Ash. Okay. What was the last thing that you bought for you, and you cannot include groceries or gas? Because those are the la- those are the last two things I bought, so I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm discounting those. Uh, well, either the last physical thing I bought was Mass Effect Two. And the last thing I actually bought was an iPhone app, which I'll talk about later. Tune in at the end. I actually made my most recent purchase roughly five hours ago, and it was the Fantastic Mr. Fox DVD, and I also got um, the Doctor Who Christmas and New Year's specials, The End of Time. Ooh. Yeah. I can sit and have a little crop to them later. (laughs) I really, I haven't seen uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox yet. Oh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is fantastic. They're not is lying it really about good? it. It's brilliant. Sweet. I heard bad things about it actually. And they, they, they were lies. Off. I really wanted to they see it as lies. well. Anything you've heard that's bad about it is a lie. It's propaganda designed to try and keep you away from how brilliant it is because <laughs> they don't want you to know. They want to keep it as a kind of cool underground thing. But I, I think that's the wrong decision to have made. Same. Yes. I really can't think of anything that I've bought recently. That's it's not kind an of answer. a downer. It's kind of anticlimactic, huh? I don't know. Okay, I did. I did think of one thing. I don't know if it's the most recent purchase, but I got this um, Carnegie's like it's like a shirt T-shirt material, but it's like a sweater. It's really, really comfortable, and I want to go back and get three more in different colors because I want to wear it to work every day, but I can only wear it once a week. Oh. Okay, I think we should move on to news topics now. Okay. Uh, um, name our mascot, everybody. Yes, please. 
We need some suggestions, and we did get some suggestions, but we haven't made a decision yet. So if you have any ideas on what we could name our little guy or girl, I don't know if it's a boy or girl. It could be either. I have a name. Go on. Elven Dork. It's unisex. (laughs) Nice one. It doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl. Elven Dork. Nice. Very nice. (laughs) It's a Harry Potter joke. Uh, yeah, I think this will be our last week of taking in new names, and then next week we'll pick our favourite and get you to vote on them. And by the time we're on episode six, I think, we'll have a winner. So, yes. So are we going to pick, like, three names and have people vote? Yes, something like that. Okay. Yes. So, send in your names, people. Okay, uh, we have some news about the iPad. It's probably a bit of old news by the time this comes out, but the iPad will go on sale on the 3rd of April in America. I'm not sure about other places worldwide, but that's the Amer- I'm sure that's the American release date. Uh, and you can start pre-ordering from March the 12th. And... Oh, I I, I also, um, I think that's just the Wi-Fi version, the 3G version isn't out yet. Right, or the 3G it'll, it'll be a bit comes later out later. Though. Yeah. I feel like I want one, even though I really don't need it and I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really, I wouldn't mind having one, but I have no use for it, like, at all. And I don't the, really understand what it is. Uh, it's like a, it's pretty much a, a big iPod touch. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. So, what's the point? Yeah, it's but it, the I think the thing that they're trying to sell on it at the moment is um, using it as an e-reader and something to watch videos on for a prolonged amount prolonged amount of time because the battery life's so good for what it is. It's like ten hours or something. You could watch a, a video, so that's like half a season of Battlestar Galactica. You know you want to. (laughs) Yeah, I read a lot on my phone. I mean, I spend a good couple of hours every day reading on my phone, so it would be kind of nice because then it would be bigger text. More like an e-reader. But the, the thing about that, though, is that it's so big for an e-reader, I think. I'm sure e-readers are smaller than that. That's one of the things people are like skeptical about, is carrying it around everywhere. One thing is for sure, for the first six months, anyone that has one is going to get a lot of conversations, because everybody around is going to be like, is that the new iPad? Yeah. So, if you're getting one, be prepared to be attacked every time you go out in public with it. Okay, from our no no more sausages news item from the last few weeks that we've talked about, um, I was getting some gloves out of our closet, and I found a pair of those gloves in my closet. Awesome. So I tried them out, and it only works on, like, the Nano that has the click wheel or the shuffle. Isn't that what it's called? A click wheel? Yeah. It will not work on. Um, it won't work on our touch, and it won't work on my phone. So it's kind of a bummer. But we do have two nanos, so 
Oh, that sucks. Maybe it's just the wrong type of glove or something. But they're really, really nice gloves. So I'm really, I mean, I didn't even know we had them. I guess my mother-in-law bought them for us. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Okay. We can move on to other news. Okay. Uh, A bit of gaming news now. Um, The company Activision, uh, well, actually, I think it's a branch of Activision called Infinity Ward. The company that is responsible for the Call of Duty games. Uh, they recently fired two of their like company executives. I'm not sure why. They haven't said why. But they also, on the same day, announced that uh, they've made a new like company called Sledgehammer Games, which will be dedicated to the Call of Duty franchise. So far, since the Xbox 360 has been out... There's been, uh, let's think, Call of Duty 2, 3, 4, uh, Modern Warfare 2, and World at War, as well as, uh, I think, the first two ones that were, no, the first one, that makes sense, released on Xbox Live Arcade. So that's six Call of Duty games already. And... The Infinity Ward or Sledgehammer Games, whoever it was, or Activision, I can't remember, they said that they'll be releasing a new Call of Duty game every year from now on, which I think is ridiculous. It's going to be oversaturated and. Uh, I don't know. But they've also said that they're going to be um, extending the franchise into the action adventure genre, which sounds a bit. I don't know, unusual for a FPS franchise, but I don't know. It might be interesting. Other franchises, like the Halo franchise, has branched off into um, uh, RTS genre, and that was pretty successful. I liked Halo Wars. But yeah, uh, I'm not amongst gamers at the moment, so we'll skip over that now. Mm-hmm. So, what, so what happens is Activision has this one line of video games, and they have a whole business unit dedicated to it? Yeah, that's what uh, Sledgehammer Games is, that they've just, uh, they've just formed it, I think. And it's completely dedicated so, to that one franchise. But before, they had two other guys that were in charge of this other business unit, and they got rid of them. For whatever reason. Yeah, they, or haven't, they haven't said what, what the reason was that they've fired them for. It seems a bit weird. But they did fire them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or force mm-hmm. them to re- retire or something. That's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. So, we'll see what happens with that then. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. moving on, moving on, moving on. Uh, uh, okay. Music news this week. Uh, I've been trying to talk about this new Jimi Hendrix CD coming out for the past few episodes, but uh, due to editing constraints, we've had to cut it or drop it from the show. But uh, this week, the new Jimi Hendrix album, Valleys of Neptune, should be out. Uh, There'll be a link to a song in the show notes if you want to check it out before you buy it, and I urge you all to buy it because it's pretty cool. I think it was between... The release of one of his famous albums, I'm not really, I don't really know that much about it, but it was between the release of one album and his legendary Woodstock performance. And it's it's like a showcasing of 
his creativity and the style of, that he was playing in at that time. And there's some reworkings of classic songs like Red House and Fire on it. Should be quite interesting. As well as some new stuff that we haven't heard before. Yeah, so check out the link. It'll tell you more and a lot more coherently. And does that link show that uh, one song, the clip from that song? Uh, it's got the whole song, uh, uh, Valleys and Neptune. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't have the music video, though. I like that song. It was good. Yeah. It, w- it made it. It was very Jimi Hendrix like era. I like. Yeah, the only thing that I didn't like about it was Jimi Hendrix is notoriously a guitar player. There's no guitar solo. What the hell? I did notice that, and I thought any second they'd break into like a huge guitar riff and nothing. Yeah, there's even like, a bit where you, there's like a breakdown, and you think that the solo is about to happen, but then it just goes back to vocals again. So I'm thinking right. because it was a uh, lost recording, only not really. Uh, perhaps he never got round to writing the solo. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough of that. Let's move on okay. to our next item. Okay, next up, I just wanted to go back to the um, crisis relief efforts because a few weeks in a row we talked about different efforts to help out in Haiti. And last week we had the Chile earthquake and the tsunamis that went through. And luckily there weren't any terrible injuries due to those tsunamis. But anyways, I found a really neat article on CNN. That's called volunteerism, and it talks about how people are going and traveling to, like, uh, donate their time to help with relief efforts, but at the same time, they're getting an opportunity to see an area of the world that maybe they wouldn't have had an opportunity to see before. And um, even right now, there are still groups, like school groups, high school groups, or college groups that are going to even uh, Louisiana to help out with Hurricane Katrina rebuilding. Even now, they'll go there like on their spring break or something. And I just thought it was a really neat article because it kind of reminds us that even though, you know, it's been a year or two years after um, some horrific event has happened, you can still go and help out and make a different in- difference in these people's lives. That's really cool. Oh, and it talks about... Um, this group called Campus Crusade for Christ is having a big conference in Florida, um, Panama City Beach, Florida, this uh, spring break, and they're going to pack one million nutrient-rich meal kits to send down to Haiti. So even though the kids, the um, high school or college-age students aren't able to go to Haiti to help out. They're able to make a big difference just by going to the place they were already planning on going to and donating some of their time during their conference to help out. So, yay. That's a really cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know about any of that stuff, if any of that stuff's happening over here. I don't pay much attention to the news. But what I do pay attention to is science news and um, I saw an article recently about the thing that actually did kill the dinosaurs uh, the probably the most famous theory for the death of dinosaurs is an asteroid 
hitting the Earth around Mexico in the uh, Chicxulub crater. Uh, right. Yeah, there's like this huge crater in just north of Mexico in the ocean. Anyway, that's probably the most famous one. The one that I was taught in school and university uh, briefly was the, around the time of the asteroid hitting. There were these massive, massive basaltic volcanic eruptions. Uh, basalt lava is really, really runny and... Uh, if you look at Hawaii, that's the sort of lava that is. It flows really far. So that's why Hawaii's like really flat and widespread, rather than mountainous. These eruptions were like really... You can't even imagine how extensive they were. Uh, like they were kilometres thick lava layers. You can find them in India, I think. I can't remember the name of the place. The Deccan Traps in India. There you go. 500,000 years before the KT mass, mass extinction. KT is Cretaceous Tertiary. And it's... Cretaceous is spelled with a C, but it's KT because the germ I think it's the German spelling of Cretaceous has a K. Those wacky Germans. Yeah. Um, and all these eruptions going on for, like, hundreds of years, making these kilometre... several kilometre thick layers of lava... Uh, they put out so much poisonous gas into the atmosphere that it likely killed the dinosaurs. And the likely scenario is that that was attributing to dinosaurs dying out already. And I think there's evidence in the fossil record that uh, dinosaurs had been slowly dying out up to the KT boundary. And then something happened at the KT boundary that killed everything. And that's probably the asteroid hitting. But... Having not read this article, so I'm not sure if I'm correct, uh, a conference a panel thing of around 41 international experts, they've come to the conclusion after reviewing 30 years' worth of data that it was the asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs. And not the massive volcanic eruptions. So originally they thought it was the volcanic eruptions, but they've changed their tune and now they're saying asteroids. Yes, that's what this article says. But right. when I was briefly at university, uh, all my lecturers were telling me that it was a mixture of the two events attributing to the same thing. Although, regardless of the... Uh, Asteroiding the Earth would have killed up so much of the world's population that it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure there's evidence if you look at the fossil record that a lot of things were becoming extinct close up to the boundary leading up to it. Well, I would just like to say that who knows what they will think in another thirty years. I I kind of don't. I kind of don't really trust just saying, okay, well, the scientists are thinking this now, so this must be the way it is, because, you know, it was millions of years ago, and in the last hundred years, they've changed their tune several times already, so. Well, in the last 150 years, it's only been since then that dinosaur bones have been uncovered. I think it was like Victorians that 
like the first people to really hunt and dig out dinosaur remains. But in a hundred years, they might say something completely different, and that'll be because they've had an extra hundred years of finding evidence and different clues to the true nature of what happened. Right, and improved technology. Yeah. So. And I saw a really cute little um, cartoon drawing with Noah's Ark in, like, all water with this little bump of land, and two dinosaurs are sitting on the bump of land, and they're like, that was today? And the boat is drifting off in the distance. (laughs) Take a photo. We'll put it, like, in the podcast, like we did with your snake last episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Mel, did you have any obscure news topic you wanted to cover? I do. I have something which I'm going to term strange news, which I found out about on Thursday, and it occurred in the UK. And um, the crux of the story is a group of plucky chickens got their revenge on a sneaky fox after it crept into their coop by knocking it out and pecking it to death. The owner of the chickens went to collect the eggs from the pen in the morning and came upon the body of a fox. What they think happened is Dude, which is the cockerel, has led this kind of rebellion by flapping around manically. He seems to have knocked the table over, which the the chickens perch on, and hit the fox on the head. Once the fox was in some kind of... His girlfriends, Izzy, Pongo and Pecky, pecked him to death in the head, apparently. They're very specific about this. And there's, there's pictures, they can be found on the Sky News website. If you go to skynews.com and look for the strange news and look for the chicken story, there is a picture of the um, hen-pecked fox. Oh, that's so I tragic. love it. <laughs> oh, I feel sorry fox. for the fox. Am I the only one? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but that's the natural order that's of things. No, it isn't. But at the end of the day, if you're going to break into someone's house and attempt to kill them, you should be prepared that you may die in the process yourself. You shouldn't assume it's all going to go smoothly. And I think that's what's happened here. This fox has assumed, she's made assumptions about these chickens and his abilities as a fox. And he hasn't been able to live up to his own expectations and is dead now because of that. Let it be a warning to the foxes of the world. I really liked that news story. I wanted to share it a lot. liked it so much. I posted it on Facebook as well. So, Mikey, last week when we had Andrew on, you guys were talking about this new show called Fast Forward, and you were going to check it out. Did you ever check it out? Yes, I did. I spent the last two or three days watching all ten episodes that are currently uh, available on the internet. Really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the pilot episode was pretty good. It was well aside from a couple of odd choices in scripting I thought it was excellent and then from that it got better. It was It's a really, really good show. It's very much in the same vein as things like Lost and Heroes. It's really very interesting. It's got that, you know how well uh, every time the an episode of Lost finishes, there's a really big cliffhanger at the end, and I think that's one of the successes of the show, is how how much you look forward to finding out what, finding out answers in the next episode. 
and Flash Forward definitely has that quality to it. So uh, I urge people to give it a go. So I'll check it out. It's very cool. I think the, the, uh, they went on a break, and the next half of the season starts in the next week or two. I think it's the seventeenth, the sixteenth, or the seventeenth. I'm not sure. But well, I would. It has the same day as lost. I know. Yeah, I'm not going to watch the new episodes until I've caught up with the old ones. Yeah, that's just the way I am. <laughs> it's all so on the ABC the website. If you're in America, you can watch it on there. I think. Cool. Okay, I'll yeah. check it out. It's a good show. I think you'll like it. I, I, while we're talking about American TV, uh, I've also caught up on the new series, new season of Scrubs, the one that isn't JD centric. And I was very skeptical about it at first because you know J, the show is about JD mostly, so I was a bit skeptical about giving it a go, but. I see now how wrong I was and how amazing the the show is. It's just I I just didn't realize how much I missed Doctor Cox. He's just too funny, and there's a new dynamic to his character in this season that I don't know. It's kind of weird, but it's pretty. It pays off. It's very funny. Okay, I think that should wrap up our news for this week. Um, if you have anything that you want us to talk about on future episodes, feel free to send us a link to the places we'll talk about in the contact info at the end of the episode. So our guest this week is Mel, and she quite recently set up a uh, British chapter of the Harry Potter Alliance, and we thought it would be a cool thing to do to get her on and talk about it, get the word out and, and whatnot. So... Mel, why don't you tell us something about it? Well, I'll give you an overview of the Harry Potter Alliance in the first instance, and then I'll talk about the British chapter. Um, The point of the Harry Potter Alliance, it's taking the examples of Harry Potter and Albus Dumbledore and Dumbledore's army, and we're fighting the dark arts in the real world. So it's essentially a social activism group that is standing up and saying no to inequality and no to racism, no to sexism, no to homophobia and no to anything that makes any one person feel small or victimised or bullied. It's about getting together, no matter how small your voice is or how few of you there are, and standing up for what is right. Because um, as a very, very, very wise man once said, sometimes you have to make a choice between what's right and what is easy. And too often, I think, in the 21st century, people will take the easy route or the route where they'll get into trouble or the route that takes the least amount of effort. And that's not the world we live in anymore. We have so many problems. There's global warming, the awful things that have happened recently in Haiti and just last week in Chile. And people need to come together and do something about this kind of thing. And that's what the Harry Potter Alliance is for. And I got involved through the Haiti I really, really wanted to do something to help Haiti because living in England, I'm quite far away and we're quite privileged here in the UK. We're not at risk from earthquakes. There's no volcanoes here, so that's not a risk. We never really have extreme weather. We never really have any kind of weather at all, really. It's mostly rain. But we're so privileged and so lucky and there are so many people in the world who aren't and I wanted very, very much to be able to help the people that aren't. And 
so I got involved, and then I decided I wanted to get involved more locally. And there wasn't a local chapter, so I thought I would try and create one. And the chapter I created is called the Department of International Magical Cooperation, and I think we currently have 112 members. Awesome. Yeah. I'm one of those 112 members. You are one of those 112. In fact, if you just give me a second, I can check on the exact numbers. Um, we did our very first piece of social activism a couple of weeks back for Valentine's Day. A bunch of members went down to London and we handed out Valentine's cards to homeless people and to people who were working. It is 112 members, just to confirm. And, um, yeah, we handed out Valentine's cards to people who just looked as though they might need reminding that they were worthy of love and that just because... You know, there's been this calendar day set aside to celebrate love. Didn't mean that they shouldn't be involved just because their relationship status might not match up to it. So nine of us met up in London at Platform 9 and 3 quarters with around 100 handmade Valentine's cards. And then we went and hit the streets and handed them out, which was brilliant fun. Um, and at the moment, we are, everyone in the High Potter Alliance is in the midst of Accio Books. And here in the UK, what I think we're doing is collecting up books and we're donating them to things that we think locally we can donate books to. So hospitals that have children's units or hospitals that have old people's units that don't have their own libraries, they could use some books. If you know of any um, domestic violence shelters or children's homes or um, children's centres near you, they could probably use some books. Um, if you can collect books from your friends, from your family, from your colleagues, ask anyone you know, get the books together, get them out there. And um, I think without rambling on, that's the gist. If you want to know more about the Harry Potter Alliance, the best thing to do would be to go to the website, which is www.hpalliance.org. And there's lots of news on there, including local chapters and how to find them. If you look for the Department of International international magical cooperation on facebook you will find the chapter that i'm currently running and if you've got any questions you can contact me through there i'm more than happy to answer them splendid excellent i didn't know that you did that on valentine's weekend That's yeah really cool. oh, it was awesome it was so much it was really good fun for us as well i got to see a lot of people i didn't think i'd see that quickly and it was it was such a lovely lovely feeling to be able to hand these cards out and see people's faces just, right. They kind of went from suspicious to a bit stunned and just smiling. And it was just really, really nice. Right. And that's, that's what it's all about. Everyone deserves to feel loved and respected and valued. And so we just took some time out to give a few people the chance to feel that for no reason other than the fact that we could. Excellent. That's so nice. What a nice thing to do. I couldn't be there. I was working. Couldn't be there. We were sad about. It. We did text Mikey. Yeah. It brightened <laughs> my day. Although I was insanely jealous that you were at platform nine and three quarters. We yeah. got to see people get tuskers to be in their photos as well because we were dressed in Hogwarts school uniform. <laughs> 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 the tourists were kind of pulling us into their photos. It was really exciting. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll put links in the show notes, or you can go to the web address that Mel talked about. So our main discussion today is going to be to talk about a book called Hunger Games by Suzanne Collins. 
and um, just kind of discuss it because we've all read Hunger Games, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just finished reading it a couple of weeks ago, and I loved it. Okay, so um, if you haven't read and you want to read before you listen to our discussion, uh, this is your official spoiler warning. If you go to the show notes and follow the link to our blog where all our links are and things, uh, I'll put in there the time signature of when our discussion finishes. So if you want to skip past this now so you can listen to the rest of the show, then you know where to skip to. But otherwise, here we go with our discussion. Um, So, I guess I thought I'd start out with where the book started out. Um, Do you, to enjoy reading books where the first few chapters are more of like setting up the background of the character, or would you prefer to start right out with action? Because this book kind of started out with the character's thought, a lot of thoughts that the character had to kind of tell you what um, her life was about. Hmm. Uh, I prefer getting the background and like setting everything up. But if it, the odd time that I've read something that starts out with the action scene, um, a lot of times I find it's not pulled off correctly. Like the, it's hard to get that right. But yeah, that's not what's done in this book anyway, so yeah. No, I, I agree. I prefer much, much prefer getting a background. I mean I don't need the whole backstory because I like to discover new things as I go along. But it's nice to have a sense of the character. A lot of time it's easier to figure out people's reactions to things based on what you know. Vampire Academy, the very first Vampire Academy book starts right in the thick of the action and I started that book and felt as though I'd had the first few chapters of the book ripped out before I got to it. I had no idea what was going on at all. And I found it really confusing and very, very difficult to engage with. And if I had been less bored at the time, I wouldn't have bothered continuing to read. I'd have just put it down. So it's always better to have backstory, in my opinion, anyway. Well, I mean, some people just kind of feel like, oh, get to it already. But I really enjoy reading those first few chapters where you kind of learn about the character because it kind of gets me into their mind frame and um, then I can kind of accept the situation that they're in, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. When I was first reading the first, the the very first few pages, I was thinking of the character as male and then as I started getting in a few pages, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This kind of doesn't sound like the character's male. So then I reread it once I figured out she was female. I went back and reread the first few pages. It wasn't this book that I... I had something a similar experience. Um, when I was reading Northern Lights, or for the American title, The Golden Compass, uh, it was about seven or eight chapters in before I realized that Lyra had blonde hair. Does she have blonde hair? Yeah, no, I know what you yeah. mean. In my head, Rita Skeeter's still ginger. Ginger? She's a redhead. <laughs> Even though it describes... Uh, actually, it describes her as being blonde in the book, but in my head, she's not blonde. She has curly red hair. And That's I've never, weird. ever shaken that off, ever. I do the same things with characters. So, as as you were reading the first few chapters, what is your thoughts about the District 12? Like, having the... 
what are your thoughts about where Katniss lives and the lifestyle that she leads and the fact that there are all these different districts? Well, my impression of the book, like from very early on and straight through the book pretty much, straight through the series even, uh, there's a very depressing, melancholy sort of atmosphere. I just thought it was heartbreaking. Reading reading the life that this little girl has to lead and even her parent, her mom's life, her dad's life, even though he died, her sister's life, just the what that they endure every single day of their entire life. They never experience anything different. It was heartbreaking to me, but I think it was good that she started out with all of that information because I kind of got into Katniss's mind and I kind of just accepted it because she accepted it. Like, this is my life. And yeah, I mean, she always wished that it wasn't that way, but she accepted it and you got to move on. You can't stop living. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if, if they would have started right with the reaping right away and not done those first few chapters, I don't think I would have liked it as well. I kind of got into her head, so then when the reaping did happen, I mean, it was really, really upsetting, but you understood it more. You you understood how she was kind of resigned to the fact that, yeah. okay, I'm going to die now. I, I think. quite literally couldn't put it down. I, I read it in about three hours. I et it, in fact. I read quite quickly anyway. But this one, I was trying to make tea, and I burnt my hand at one point because I was trying to turn the page and simultaneously pour the kettle, and the kettle was getting in the way of the page, and I got a bit cross and burnt my hand. Not but cool. It, it, was, it was worth it, frankly. I'd do it again. <laughs> I wouldn't change a thing. It is, it's, it's such a shocking book. When I first read The Reaping, I had to stop and reread... Um, it reminded me a lot of the film Battle Royale. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Fairly sure some of the listeners will have seen it. But the the premise is quite similar to the premise of Battle Royale. But it's a lot more human in the book and to have it from an individual's point of view as well. It and Ash, I think you're right, it is shocking that this is someone's life. And the shocking thing is that she does accept it and that she never wants or really aspires to be any more than what she's got. Her her biggest aspiration is to keep her sister safe and to keep food on the table, which is quite a burden for a 16-year-old girl. Right. She's very and I, resigned to her, her lot in life. I think she was brainwashed from a very young age to know that she can't aspire to be anything else. I, th- I think that's true of everyone in Pan Am, outside of the capital, though. I think yeah, I was, I was about to say that. It's like, it's, there are no rags to riches stories unless you win the Hunger Games. But the cool thing is that she does escape, and she does, because she and Gail can go off into the forest, even though they're not supposed to, every day. So she does um, yeah, yeah, that aspire is to be more. And she doesn't accept. Sorry. So it's, it's, not, it's not the same as the kind of, the reader's aspirations. I mean, I'm fairly sure there are people who've read this book who aspire to be actresses and singers and models and doctors and have these dreams which are achievable. Um, 
it, with the right amount of work or with the right amount of luck. But for Katniss, there is no amount of work or luck that is going to change her life. At all. Right. I know. And, you know, when I, when I was reading it, it just made me think about what the people, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it has some similarities to what the people in um, concentration camps, the, the fear that they had to live through, you know, they couldn't talk about anything, they couldn't make any noises, or even the people that live in, like, uh, China, who can't speak about, they can't say anything bad about the government, they just cannot. Yeah. You know, they kind of live in fear. Have you seen Battle Royale? No, but that's the thing that everyone says it's the same as. Oh, yeah, no, it is. Mm, no, The Hunger Games is better than Battle Royale. Battle Royale is brilliant. <laughs> it's a pretty old thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Japanese film. Yeah, it's basically a group of school kids. They're in a class, and their class is quite naughty, and the classes are pitted against... The whole class of students is selected to go through for this government thing, this government initiative to basically control the wayward youth it's not about controlling wayward parents they're about controlling wayward youth right. and this class is gets through on this lottery system and they get put on this island where basically they have to kill each other and there are other people put on the island who are going to kill them as the well Dharma there initiative. Are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Dharma initiative. they're just basically big bullies and again there's it's quite similar in the sense that there's weapons to find and things are rigged and Smoke yeah. monster. Yeah, and it, actually at the end of that as well, it's, it's a couple that escape. It's a boy and a girl that get out at the end. What did you think of the... Uh, there's a point in the early stages of the book where... I think it's just Katniss. Um, she's in the woods. And there's that girl on the run. That, like She's never seen another girl in the woods before, but she's on the run and likes some... Hovercraft picks her up, something it's like a that. Flashback scene. Oh, is that a flashback? Yeah. yeah. I think she's discussing it as a flashback. She remembers the time she was in the woods, and she sees the thing. Ah, oh, it was horrible, and, and very then, intriguing at the same time. And then later on, she, uh, she sees that girl, and she's her like servant, sort of yeah. maid person in the city. Yeah, this is one thing. Just, you can join in now. But and and the they call it girl. yeah, and they call it. An Avox. Yeah. yeah. I know. And uh, what I thought was interesting was that Avox means, uh, like in music and whatnot, Vox is short for vocals. Yeah. So Avox is a vocal, and just had a tongue cut out so you can't speak. Yeah. It, it's a very good name. It describes perfectly that she is. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting, and I figured that out myself. I didn't find that on the internet. I just thought, thought that was pretty cool, so I just wanted to say that. It, it just shows how good your etymological knowledge is. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Okay, so when you were reading the story, did you understand the reaping before it actually happened? Because I felt kind of confused about what it was all about. Uh, it's been a long time since I read it, so... So you can't... I can't remember, but I understand it now. <laughs> if, if that <Right>. helps. <laughs> but not really. I didn't understand it when it was first mentioned, because I think it's mentioned on the very first page. Right. 
But like even when she was standing um, standing in the groups and they were explaining it, I was kind of going, ah, okay, I think I'm getting this now. Yeah, I, I could tell it was something bad. I couldn't, well, I'd read the back, so I knew, basically, well, I think if you read the back, then you've got a pretty good idea of, of what the reaping entails. And it's, it's, it's horrifying the way it's turned into a game. Right. But I think that's the bit that's most horrifying is that it's entertaining and that people are expected and forced to celebrate this horrible event when clearly no one outside the capital feels like or would be inclined to celebrate it. But the fact that basically what, 24 children being sent into an arena to be televised murdering each other in very horrific ways is supposed to be entertainment and a joyful occasion and something to be proud of. Well, I've, I'm kind of confused as to, I mean, I know it's a young adult book, so of course it's going to be about kids, but why do you think that they would pick it to happen with children? Why wouldn't they wait till you were 17 and then your name starts going in? It explains it in the book, that it's a way of controlling the parents. Oh, that's true. That They do say that. And obviously, the younger the child, the more horrific it is. Like, when um, Rue is sent in, oh, and Ruth. when they look as though Prim's going to be sent in as well, little 11-year-old girls, tiny, tiny little girls who couldn't possibly defend themselves against another tiny little girl, let alone against... A big 16-year-old. 17, and have adult. trained for this kind of event because they've got some kind of misguided notion that it's something to be proud of, and it's an achievement if they win. It's... That's what makes it all the more shocking. So it seems like some of the um, districts brainwash and raise these soldiers. I mean, that's what Katniss thinks. And while other districts... are closest to the capital as well. Right. While the other districts don't do one single thing to prepare their children for it. Well, the ones that don't prepare, they're the ones like that are farmers and things like... Uh, in Rue's district, I can't remember which one it is, but the, uh, they're all like constantly in climbing around tree tops. Yeah, that is Rue's district. Yeah, oh Rue, Rue's my favourite character. Mm. She is lovely. I, I thought it was kind of interesting how um, Katniss always thought that Peter was very well off because he lived in the town and his parents were a baker, and wouldn't that be neat? If you lived in a house where you baked food all day, and yeah, then when they this, get on the train, uh, like preconception that he never goes hungry or something, because like it's a bakery. Is that right, or am I making that? Yeah, up? no, that's true. Yeah, and he explains to her that they couldn't afford to eat the bread they made; they had to sell it to make the money. Yeah, that's quite tragic. I mean, I suppose by the standard that Katniss lives by, Peter is doing pretty well, but by Every other standard. I mean, the way I understand it is that the capital is the very richest district, and then it goes out in kind of descending numerical order. So districts one, two, and three are quite fairly well off. Four, five, and six are not brilliantly well off, but not struggling as much as the other districts. Yeah. And then ten, eleven, and twelve are just—they're basically slums. Yeah, pretty uh, much, yeah. It's all manual labour, and there's no skill or craft or 
healthcare or anything involved. But what about District right. 13? Who knows? No, District 13 was blown up. Allegedly. Yeah. Spoiler. And isn't it um, Rue that worked in the orchards, and so Katniss always thought that she had plenty of fruit to eat, whereas Rue always thought that Katniss was plenty warm because she lived in the district that mined the coal. Yeah, that's true. But I think I think that's a capital trick. I think the capital probably tell people in order to stop the districts from uniting, because if they did unite and get together, the capital would be buggered. And I think right. it's a lot of propaganda on the capital's part. Right. To make everyone think that the other districts are doing better than they are and they don't have any friends or really any reason to live. So what are your thoughts about the capital? Like when she first gets to the capital, she's saying how beautiful everything is um, and the location of it being surrounded by mountains. I thought that maybe um, they said that it was to protect the city from attack, but I also thought maybe it was to keep the people in so they couldn't get out to the districts. Well, uh, what would the people have? What reason would the people have to go to the districts? Other than to bring people in from the reapings. Because they've got that train, don't they, that goes through. Yeah. Well, if you lived in any area and you were a human being and you had freedom of thought, you might wonder what is on the other side. So you might want to go investigate, but the capital is such a fortress that you can't even escape. You can't escape. Not only can the people in the districts not escape, but you can't get out either. I don't think it would dawn on anyone in the capital <laughs> that escape might be a possibility. I think I don't it's, think it's that... really interesting what you just said um, about people having free thought. I think one of the overriding messages of Hunger Games is that free thought is not acceptable. Yeah, the whenever you see people from the capital interacting with each other, generally, they're all pretty, I uh, don't know what the word is really. In, insubstantial. Yes, exactly. Uh, if you look at, say, uh, Katniss's like, makeup team. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like airheaded. Right. If that's the right but word. Those, are the, those are the only people she's seen. I don't think there is any free thought in Pan Am, and I think if anyone did have any kind of free thought and um, voice that free thought they would disappear quite rapidly but yes. there is free thought because Katniss and Gail is, go outside of the boundaries and break the rules every day and look at Sina who lives in the capital but they're not vocal about it that's no the thing. it's very very understated very very quiet and precisely that Katniss and Gail do go into the woods where they can't be overheard or where they assume they can't be overheard so they can right. say these things that they can never say anywhere else. I and mean, Katniss actually makes the point that she has to stop voicing her opinions in case Prim here, like, starts to mimic her and gets the whole family killed. Right. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see, see what happens with the second book, to see if they actually get to kind of I've, I've read it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I will not speak of it. You have Don't to read tell it. me what happened. 
Uh, yeah, but it's that's my impression of people in the capital. They don't have a. They're very complacent. If that's the right, I don't even know if that's the right word, but th- uh, they have no need to leave the capital because everything okay. they need is there. I mean, if they went to one of the other districts, even one of the more well-off districts, in comparison to the capital itself, it's still a very poor region. They don't have like all these flying things and whatnot. I mean, it's my understanding that each district, they only have one TV, really, and that's in the middle of the town, so everyone can watch the Hunger Games every year. Right. I think Katniss says that she has a TV in her house. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh. But it's not, it's staticky. Oh. It's not. It's not an LCD. like we have either. I think it's tuned into the Capitals. Broadcast. Like, yeah. Well, um, it's, isn't this? Have you read 1984? George Orwell's 1984. I haven't. No, I should I have. I, I suggest go and read it because there are aspects of it that are very, very similar to the Hunger Games. Well, isn't that the book that, like, reality TV in general has been ripped off from? Yes. Like Big Brother yes. and and all that Big stuff. Big Brother is actually the name of the organisation in 1984. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's one of those sci-fi classics that I've. Never got round to. Okay, so that wraps up our main discussion this week. We'll continue with part two next week, uh, maybe part three as well. And we're going th- through the book. Um, part one of our discussion covers part one of the book. So uh, part two, the games, will be our first topic next week. But uh, if make sure you send in your questions and comments if you've got anything to say about the book. Uh, stay tuned for the contact info at the end. So last week I talked about how a good handshake is really important. This week I thought I'd um, remind people to reuse their grocery bags to in an effort to keep our environment nice and save on the cost of recycling. Because, uh, like, how is it in England with uh, grocery bags? Do you guys take your own bags to the store to bag your food in? Uh, it's encouraged, uh, being someone that works in a grocery store, it's encouraged to bring bags, uh, and we sell uh, more like hard-wearing plastic bags. We use plastic bags normally, we don't charge for them where I work. The place shall remain unnamed for legal reasons. <laughs> uh, um, but we sell cloth bags and we sell reusable, like heavy-duty bags, but... We probably only have about 10 customers a week that bring their own bags in. Because a lot of people, um, we started having, across the country, we started having uh, councils giving people big black bin, like plastic bins, uh, instead of putting out sacks of rubbish to be collected. Uh, and people will just use these plastic bags that we give them to put their food in. They'll use them for rubbish, and as soon as they fill one up, they'll chuck it in their, in their plastic bin instead of spending extra money on big black bin bags. I'm very, very big on recycling, and I take my own bags to places, and if I do have to have a carrier bag, I feel quite bad about it, but then I tend to reuse them anyway until they fall apart, just for looking books around and stuff, and 
but I do have a variety of cloth bags from a variety of stores, which I like That's to That's how I am. I'm like that too, Mel. If I if I forget to take a bag in to a store, I feel really bad about the fact that I have to use a plastic bag. I feel bad as well. And I, 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 I'll buy them as well. So I'll, if I've forgotten to take any of my cloth bags, I'll spend extra money on a reinforced carrier bag as a punishment to myself to not, for not taking I, my I do that too. Um, a couple of years ago, they the stores started selling cloth bags that you could buy for like a dollar instead of using the plastic bags to re, to reuse your cloth bags. And I got them right away and I started using them all the time. And still in our basement, we have several hundred plastic bags, like just thin flimsy grocery bags that we use for like um, our garbage next to our computer or our garbage in our bathroom or something. But yeah, some people tell me, well, I, it's just a pain to carry my cloth to carry cloth bags back into the grocery store or they there are places where you can take your flimsy grocery bags and take them to be recycled but what you don't realize is it takes energy to recycle those so you're still better off using cloth bags the other thing is i find is it's so ingrained in um common conduct to be given a bag when you've done your shopping that it's counterintuitive to take a bag with you. For most people, that's what I find. I bought a cloth bag, but whenever I go to buy something, I don't think to take it because I'm so used to being given a bag. Right, and that's the standard here in the U.S. is that everybody gives you plastic bags. I think if stores would offer like a two-cent or a five-cent discount for every cloth bag you use, more people would use cloth bags. The stores around me where we do our grocery shopping, if you use their cloth bags, they'll take five cents off your grocery. But if you use somebody else's cloth bags, they won't. So it's like, okay, well, if I go to this store today and I don't have those bags, I don't get the discount. But how does that make sense? <laughs> Waterstones in the UK, um, if you buy books from there and you don't have a plastic bag, they give you five extra. Um, they call them eco points that they will add to your Waterstones reward card. Ooh, that's a good idea. I think that's an awesome idea because it really encourages you. If you love books, an extra 5p free to go on a book, is it's very good. And, um, yeah, you can easily rack up about 30, 40 points in a journey. That's cool. I don't know where I live. It seems to be quite frowned upon. People are like, do you want a bag? But they ask you in quite a rude sort of fashion. So you, you feel horrible if you have to say yes, like you've done something terribly wrong. I think that approach should be adopted more. Where I live, one time I went into a clothing store and I took a little, uh, like a small cloth bag because I know I was only buying a few things. And I go to the checkout and I'm like, oh, can you put it in this bag instead of a plastic bag? And the lady was like, no, I can't. Like she was going to get fired if she put my purchases in the cloth bag. (laughs) Maybe because it was a clothes shop and um, if you didn't carry it out in the store brand bag they might think you're shoplifting isn't that what a receipt's for yes well but since then well whatever so since then I've done that and fair enough <laughs> I, I think I think you should name and shame that store not the lady that's not her fault no I think you should name and shame the store well 
that was a few years ago. And since then, I've taken uh-huh. my bag. I've always taken my bags into that store and they haven't had any problems since then. But this year, it's more common to use recycled bags than it was two or three years ago when I started. Or even maybe four or five years ago. I don't know how long it's been going on. but So you, use, you have plastic grocery bags in America? Yes. So <gasps> I always thought from... My, because my view of America is based true, like fully having never visited on TV and film, and you always see people walking around with a, a big paper bag, yeah, full of stuff. No, no, paper bags are old fashioned. Old fashioned. Yes. Now, if you want paper bags, you have to specifically say, "Can I have paper bags?" And basically, you only get them if you're going to like use them for book covers for school. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't that weird? Mel, do you have a phone application, pro, uh, computer program, or website that you want to talk about? The website, I would I would like to... It's for adults only, so if you are not over the age of 18, or if you are quite sensitive, um, then please do not check out this website. But if you are an adult and have a fairly reasonable and rational sense of humour, you might like this. It's called the Sleep Talking Man Blogspot. And it's a lady who blogs what her husband says in his sleep. <laughs> um, I'll read you the tagline. No, it's hysterical. Okay. It's fantastic. My mild English husband, Adam, lives quite a colourful existence in his dreams. Having benefited from hours of delight at his dead of night musings, I thought it was only fair to share them with the world. Some of the content on this page is not suitable for young girls or faint hearts. The views expressed by Sleep Talking Man never reflect the attitudes and opinions of waking Adam, especially the desire to exterminate all vegetarians. But he does hate lentils. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cute. I love it. <laughs> I like the disclaimer. <laughs> March the 5th, 2010, one of the things Adam said was, Good morning. I just wanted to be the first person to call you a twat. Enjoy your day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really, really cute things sometimes as well. <laughs> one from March the 1st. There you go again, watching wasting decent oxygen on talking. <laughs> it's my ex, he's sleep talk. Um, I think half the reason I find it so funny is that my ex used to be quite a chronic sleep talker. We could have full-on conversations while he was asleep. And he would <laughs> not call them the following day. And he would say some really, really odd things. And um, I actually got a bunch of my friends to come in and watch him do this one night because he didn't believe it happened. He thought I lied and was making it up. So I got a bunch of my friends to come in and listen to him speaking in his sleep and recite it back to him. <laughs> brilliant. That's cruel. <laughs> I'd hate that <laughs> someone did that to me. Lying. <laughs> okay, so uh, check out the show notes for a link to that blog or whatever it is. Uh, I don't really have a single app that I wanted to talk about this week. I just wanted to mention uh, uh, more on the Mass Effect side of things. Uh, I, Due to my obsession, I thought I'd check out some of these uh, comics that they've re- released. And they've also released them uh, on the I- iPhone app store. It's sort of like having a, an e-book. Only each panel from the comic is a screen on your phone. And it's very high quality and very well done. The artistry is pretty amazing. Uh, and if Mass Effect isn't your thing, which it should be soon, 
go and play it. Buy an Xbox. Uh, uh, there's also Star Wars comics, uh, Hellboy comics, Terminator comics, something called The Umbrella Academy, which I've never heard of. That's it, I think. Those are all the ones that are advertised in the app. But, um... Yeah. Umbrella Academy? Yeah. It's not related to Umbrella Corp, is it? What, from Resident Evil? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Oh. It's pretty cool, if you're into comics. I'm not really a comic person, but... If you're into, say, Star Wars or Hellboy or whatever... Or if you just want something to read... They're there, and they're pretty high quality, and I recommend them fully to you. Oh, and it's, uh, the comic company is Dark Horse Comics, and I'm pretty, I'm 99.9% certain that they do physical copies of their comics, if you're a collector. Wonderful, wonderful comedic series, Spaced, which, um, I hear America's getting shortly, but they're going to Americanize it instead of taking on the British version. What? Well, is it still going to have space. Simon Pegg in it? No. I'm not going to watch it. It's ri- it, I've googled the article, it's quite dramatic, I wouldn't. If you're a fan of the original space, don't. Whatever you do. Um, Dark Horse Comics was the inspiration for Dark Star Comics, which is the comic company Tim Bisley wants to work for in popular television series Space. Wow, I did not know that. That's very cool. There you go. Thanks for that. Welcome. So I had one of our um, listeners request that I review an app, which is pretty cool because we had a request. Yay! Yay. Finally. (laughs) So um, staff requested that I review an app called Dragon Dictation. What it is is an app where you speak what you want to text and then you tap on what what it just collected And it turns it into text. So you can text someone just by talking and not have to actually type in what you're thinking. And it works really, really good. It's very accurate. I thought it was easy to use. And in in the state that I live in, they've passed a law recently, so it's illegal to text while you drive. So this would be a good alternative. Yeah, but you still have to operate your phone, don't you? You still have to, like top what you say you said right but um you're not looking down for a long time i don't know it's probably still illegal but yeah. <laughs> i mean i i um read my emails <laughs> you read your emails when you're driving when i'm stopped at lights and stuff i do what? i read twitter so does this app does it cost anything um hmm. good question i can't recall if it costs money or not <laughs> I'm sorry. Nice review, it might. If, uh, if it costs something, it was like a dollar because I don't recall mm. it costing really anything at all. It might have been ninety nine cents because I can't imagine it would be free. Well, it's, it sounds like a pretty good idea, especially for people who. I mean, a lot of people have have trouble getting used to the touch screen keyboard. Right, and some people have bigger fingers, yeah. and so. They have trouble getting all the right letters to push in. Although I have to say that the predictive text system they have on the iPhone is pretty clever. Like it can tell if you it put is. in the wrong letters, it can tell what you're trying to spell. And it learns. Yeah. So it knows what things you say most often. 
recalls those. Good old Apple. So shall we wrap it up? I think so. So if you want to, uh, if you're on iTunes, uh, you can go your podcast page and click on the little information button and there will be a link to our blog where all our show notes are and all the links to the stuff that we talk about. You can find them all on there. Um, Twitter, we are WTF underscore podcast. Come and follow us and you can talk to us directly. Uh, we have an email address if you want to get hold of us through email. WTF, no, podcast.wtf at googlemail.com uh, we also have the Facebook group, which will be linked in the blog post because we don't have a dedicated link for that. And all, as always, rate and comment us on iTunes. Leave us reviews. It makes us smile. Yay! And I just want to tell Mel, thanks for being such a great guest host. Thank you very, very much for having me. Please have me back in the future. I've loved it. Oh, we will, definitely. <laughs> We will definitely have you back. Mel, would you like to tell us what Whiskey Tango Foxtrot stands for this week? This week, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot stands for When They Fly. When They Fly. <laughs> when They Fly. When, when Mel flies with her superpower. Oh, my broom. <laughs> <laughs> I could have a broom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. Right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Bye. Bye. He's trying to distract me, and it's finally started to work. So, congratulations, Emma. (laughs) Thanks, Emma. Um, Anyway, what I was saying was. Oh, I need to rewatch that series. <laughs> She's such a nightmare. <laughs> What's she doing? She, just, she won't stop ringing. She's been doing it on and off now for the past two hours. <laughs> she knows we're recording. What a bitch. She thinks she's funny. She's not getting that guest spot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is. Because then I'm going to call her all the way through. Oh, okay. Payback. <laughs>